so she doesn't get to join in all the fun. Wow, I'm always the bad guy, aren't I? Okay, so you are. Shall we bring in our new edition or our yes, old edition? Please, please welcome Elizabeth Benham. Well, thank you, thank you, thank you. I am so excited to be back. Yes, we're so excited to have you back. So, Elizabeth, what will you be working on in the future? Dun dun dun. <laughs> Well, a lot of things, Um, helping with the show, helping do some marketing, anything that has writing in these words. Um, We're building out our social media, LinkedIn page, and Facebook. Like our page on LinkedIn. Yes, finally. Go ahead and like us, share us. Um, That way you'll keep up with what everybody's up to. We're going to have some exciting posts coming up with things that uh, the the Million Dollar Mentor team is doing. So that is exciting. Um, and then we have one other big addition. I, are we going to talk about that or no? You tell me, Kristen, are we going to talk about it? I think we should talk about it because, you know, it's something that we as a team have wanted to do. And um, the great thing about what we're doing is that it's not going to pull any resources from the rest of the team members. It's going to be something that Elizabeth is really going to be able to drive on her own. She has experience doing it. She's been very um, successful in it. For those of you who don't know, she's already a published author. And um, so Elizabeth is going to be publishing a Pillars of Franchising magazine for us. Proof that Fred is not totally illiterate. Fred is not totally illiterate, but uh, having having spent the last couple of years working in, in other publications and and copywriting and managing all of the content and the writers, um, I think we're going to have a lot of fun doing it. We've got so much content through the shows for the years. Um, it's going to be really fun and exciting and another way to visit the pillars and, and find out what's going on. Yeah, so we're really excited, and hopefully it provides value for not only people out there looking to buy a franchise, um, hopefully we'll have a lot of great resources in there for people who currently own franchises. We'll be able to talk about some of the offerings that the pillars and the mentors will be um, able to help you with and things of that nature. Also, we'll be able to profile um, certain franchisors and some of our vendor partners. So a lot of great stuff will be coming up in those magazines. And I think we're targeted for October to be our first issue. Am I right on that? Yes, we are targeting October. Um, So if anybody has news they would like us to know or get out for them, let us know. Um, But we're hoping to have a lot of education in there, um, a lot of storytelling so that people can understand the process and what it takes to become a franchisee and or a franchisor um, and, and telling inspiring stories of people who have really, you know, overcome something. I think those things are important to make people believe that they can do it and have some hope. So I think we're going to come at it from a, a rich, content-rich uh, perspective. And we're also, you know, going to open it up for advertising. So if anybody's interested in getting their name out there, we've got a decent subscriber list already. Uh, the Pillars has great listenership and viewership. So this is going to be a great place to really engage and, and join us on this adventure. All right. Awesome. So formally, this cannot start until Elizabeth answers two questions. Where are you and what's the weather like? 
<laughs> Those are easy questions, thankfully. Um, I am in Spanish Fort, Alabama, right outside of Mobile on the Gulf Coast, and the weather is hot. If you are not in a pool or in the Gulf, you might as well just be melting like a candle, wax candle. It's 93 right this minute. Our humidity, well, it says 57%, but that is a load of crap. I think it's 157%. <laughs> Isn't it hot and wet? All right. On that note, let us transport Elizabeth and I out of here for a while and transport Ray and our guest in. Take it away, you folks. Good afternoon. How's everyone? Good, Ray. How are you? Good, good. I hear it's sweltering at home in Aurora, Illinois, with the 90-degree temperatures. It's it's unbearable. You can only go outside for a few seconds, and then you got to go back into the air conditioning. Of course, that's me. I know that's your favorite weather, Ray. <laughs> but my background is showing where I came from a couple of weeks ago. This is the Rocky Mountain National Park in Colorado, uh -huh. and elevation about 12,000, I think 100 and some odd feet. And it was absolutely gorgeous out there. So um, I'm keeping my daydream, KYD. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad that you're home. And we were tr truly like two ships that passed. As you came home from Colorado, I flew out to California. And I am in the little river town of Rio Vista today, out visiting my dad, who just celebrated his birthday. And uh, it's 97 here today, but it's a dry heat. Yeah, right. <laughs> it, it is. The, the one thing I will tell you is it has the, the air quality is very unhealthy. Obviously, there are a lot of fires, not in this direct area, but it is affecting the areas all around us. And so that part is really sad. But my dad took my son and his friend, and they went in. They went um, out to the ocean today so they could cool off, and I could have quiet time to do the show here this afternoon. So um, it's been a great trip so far. And tomorrow we're heading up to Yosemite. So I might have some great pictures just like yours for next week. Yeah, sounds like fun. Yeah, and now we're going to travel all the way back to the other coast with our <laughs> guest today. Oh wow. So I'd like to introduce our guest. He's hanging in there, waiting for us to get done with Pillars of Weather, and then he could tell us where he's at. <laughs> but uh, I'd like to introduce uh, Michael Iannuzzi, CPA, CFE, and he is with Citroen Cooperman, which is a nationally recognized full-service accounting, tax, and consulting firm with offices conveniently located throughout the Northeast. But your office is located in New York, New York right now. And is that where you're at? That is correct. That is where I am at. And uh, thank you so much for having me on the show and, and giving me the opportunity. I, I greatly appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, we're excited to hear from you today. I, I can't believe people want to listen to accounts, but I'm, I'm happy to share. <laughs> <laughs> well, we were told you're not going to be boring. I, I will not. I will not. I will do my best. Awesome. Awesome. So you are... You you specialize actually in some franchise accounting, right? That, that is correct. I co-lead Citroen Koopman's franchise uh, audit, tax, and consulting firm, and we work with franchisors and multi-unit franchisees of all different shapes and sizes all across the country, doing all the audit work, 
for the FDDs and, uh, you know, tax work, tax planning, consulting. Okay, excellent. And tell me a little bit about um, some of the biggest challenges that you've had in working with some of these companies. Has there been some things that have just really been um, more challenging than others as opposed to working maybe with individuals? So, you know, franchising being a, a basically a regulated industry by the Federal Trade Commission, there's always unique challenges that come through, especially on the franchisor side. And there's always rules changing, different ways to do stuff with the FDD. The last couple of years, there was a lot of changes to the way franchisors had to account for their franchise fees. The, the IFA, which were you know, members of the International Franchise Association, they were all over this. Um, they asked our firm and a couple other firms to help them out to try to get some rule changes. So that's, mm -hmm. that's been a two-year, nightmare is not the right word, but I'm going to use nightmare. <laughs> it's, <been a> nightmare. <laughs> it's, it's over now. 20s the last year there'll be no more we're not envisioning any changes coming up so okay. what we're doing now should be able to roll forward for the next number of years okay great and so um i think the, the what interests me about that is in a lot of people don't know is that ifa is not just for franchisees so you're a member of ifa and what kind of benefit do you think that that gives to you as an accounting firm Sure. Yeah, I've been going to the IFA conventions for probably about the last 10 years now, and our firm has been a member for even longer than that. I, I absolutely love the passion that I see that franchisors and franchisees have. When I went to my first convention in Orlando about 10 years ago, just seeing everybody in the room, all the brands walking around, the, the mm -hmm. networking that was going on, the sharing of ideas between competing brands at the roundtables, I thought it was an amazing experience. And that's really what I get out of the networking and being involved with the IFA. It's just hearing people with industry stories, just sharing their knowledge and, and willing to talk to you about anything. It, it's, yeah. it's, it's unlike any other industry that I've ever seen or even hear my colleagues discuss. I feel like franchising is really unique in that regard. Awesome. Ray, did you have a question? I, I do, and uh, I just had a meeting with my accountant, my tax accountant, and uh, she was indicating that there, there was one of the things that really affects her business is the last-minute changes that, that have been coming down the pike uh, affecting taxes and, and, and businesses. Can you kind of relate how that's affected uh, uh, businesses, the last-minute changes that are coming coming in? Well, in, in terms of changes, are we talking about like things like, you know, how to treat the PPP loans and, and stuff right. like that? Or? Yeah, that's the big thing on my mind, yeah. Okay. Yeah, with the, with the PPP loans, um, there was a lot of talk uh, probably like six to eight months ago about whether or not the amount you received for PPP loans would be taxable income or not taxable income. So there was a lot of scrambling at the end of 2020 to do some tax planning and projections, make sure yeah. people had cash on hand in case this was taxable. Thankfully, the rules were changed to uh, at the federal level to make it non-taxable and to also make the expenses you use that PPP money for also deductible. So yeah. it was really a great thing 
for the businesses. I mean, it, it really was a great program at the end of well, the day. There, there was nothing like waiting till what was it, like the 20 something before they decided. I mean, really, it was like yes. I was in mass hysteria still on the 18th of December. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Literally, I know that because I went out and bought a car thinking, okay, I've got to offset some of this, <laughs> some of this money because I, and, and, did I need another company car? Not yet, but I had to make sure I could take another deduction just in case. And I mean, I don't know what goes on with our government sometimes, really. Well, and so then now, so the issue that a lot of businesses, including myself, are having, and maybe Ray, you too, is is it? And correct me if I'm saying it wrong. Is it the ERATC? Yeah, ERTC. Yes, I threw in an extra letter. That's how I do it. Um, so in that, can you explain and talk a little bit about that? That's for the employees, right? That's yeah, the employee retention tax credit. Uh, there there are benefits there for keeping people on the payroll. A lot of that stuff runs through uh, your payroll providers. Mm -hmm. So make sure you're speaking with them because the big payroll providers are calculating the credits. They're keeping track of the employees, and they're the ones that are doing the filings for your annual you know, 940s and 941s that uh, roll this credit through to you personally. It is not a credit that gets filed on your uh, income tax return. These are payroll tax credits. So be in constant communication with your payroll providers and they sure. can help you with these. Now that's in general though, and, and again, I, I bring this up because I think it's not only important for um, people who are out there thinking to start a business, people who have a small business, and really for people in general to understand, well, we've been talking a lot on the show about not being able to get employees. This is kind of a reward for those of us who've been able to keep our employees, right? I mean, yeah. and for people like Ray and I, you know, when we got the PPP money, I use that money specifically. If my employees only earned $100 a week because our business was so slow, I still paid them if their average was four hundred dollars. Yeah. They still got paid four hundred dollars, even though they only earned a hundred dollars. So this tax credit, if I'm not mistaken, is because we did what was right mm -hmm. for the employees yep. with the money the government gave us. Is that yep. right? That's, that's basically what it comes down to. That that's right, and to keep yeah. people off of unemployment because nobody wants people on unemployment. It's cheaper to keep them employed, even with these credits, put everybody on unemployment. Yeah, yeah, I think it's so, so important. Yeah. Um, so the one thing also I, I had written down here to talk to you about, and I think it's important for people, again, starting a business, if you have a business, particularly in a franchise model, and Ray, if you remember, God, it's probably been eight, nine years ago now, we went through a thing with our businesses where our franchisor said, okay, hey, wait a minute, we want to be able to compare all of our businesses equally. And the one thing we discovered is that the chart of accounts, were, they were close, but not all chart of accounts were the same. <laughs> so what can you tell us about when you're starting a business in a franchise about setting up charts of accounts? Yeah, that, that's a great question. And, and it goes a little deeper than that. The, the chart of accounts is the baseline. Then it's how, the method of accounting on top of it, you know, cash yeah. basis, accrual. So I'm not going to bore anybody with that. At, at the end of the day, though, um, the more sophisticated franchisors do a lot of times do offer a chart of accounts that they like the franchisees to use. So I would certainly start there with them. 
Also, you know, QuickBooks is a great software for franchisees. You can set up different types of business templates within QuickBooks that will generate a chart of accounts, you know, for like a restaurant or, or a service brand based business. And um, you want to use those to the best of your knowledge because I always struggle to understand how people really knew what their business was doing by when they just looked at how much cash was in the bank. I mean, right. that's, yes, that's important, but there's a lot, a lot of other things going on outside of just cash in the bank to, that drive the, you know, the, the drivers of the business. Well, I have to say I, I was guilty as charged with that for the first couple of years because, um, you know, I came out of an environment in which I um, depended on the other people's money, right? I worked for a corporation and while I was responsible for huge P&Ls, at the end of the day, it's one thing when you are managing someone else's cash and yes, you're responsible. Yes, you bonus on how much your margins are and how much, you know, you're putting back to the bottom line, but there's nothing quite like managing your own money. And I'll tell you when, you know, we opened in 2007, 2009, we're still in the, you know, the pit of the recession. And it was like, holy crap, like, are we really out of money? And then this whole thing came with the chart of accounts and getting everything situated. And it's like, okay, hold on a second. You know, and we found based on some of our um, requirements in the SDD that we were throwing close to $100,000 at marketing. Yes, Fred, I said marketing. <laughs> However, there was nobody buying the services that we were selling because people were just trying to keep their home. And so I think it's important when you're in a business like that. And I hadn't thought about how much we were really spending because I was just doing what I was supposed to do, right? And then when you sit back and you look at your P&L and you're like, holy crap. So, and I didn't have a sound accountant at the time to say, hey, let's really look at what your return on investment is with marketing. And let's really analyze. Or a sound account. marketing company either, but that's beside the point. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I was my own marketing company. <laughs> uh-huh. Now we know. Now yeah, said. Yeah. <laughs> and so I think it's really good to have a great accountant who can say, listen, and especially in lean times, you need to watch those numbers even more closely than you do when you're feeling fat and sassy. Yeah. But there was it was a wise decision to uh, I did the same thing during that recession. Mm -hmm. uh, somebody told me, do not stop advertising because once that breaks, once that recession breaks, yep. you're in a better position than everyone else who just basically stopped all their advertising. So right. you know, yeah, that, that I, I think that definitely helped us. Yeah. And it's a fine line, right? Because in, instead of send, sending, let's just say for round numbers, 100,000, maybe you send 80, right? And so there's got to be that perfect, that perfect point. So, and if you're not tracking it, you you just lose sight of it. Exactly, exactly. And that, and that is the secret right there is tracking, and everybody should have at least a general idea of what their numbers are, what they're doing. Mm -hmm. If they don't, then you know, <laughs> there there's a possibility you're gonna uh, lose, you know. Uh, an eye on your business, you know. Sure, and that's, that's really why franchise systems have a better rate of success than individual businesses. So we have to take a break and pay the bills. But when we come back, Michael, the one thing I know that a lot of people 
uh, well, let's just say Ray and I for sure want to know, and there are people out there who own businesses, want to talk to you, have you talk to us maybe about preparing to sell your business. When sure. you're ready to begin with the end in mind, maybe you can talk to us a little bit about how your accountant can help you do that. Okay? Sure. sure. Let's pay the bills. Hey, franchise owners. How is your local marketing? Do you feel like you could use some help keeping up with your social media posts and comments and reviews? Do you wonder if you could be doing more to attract local customers? Are you able to identify new movements to your local area? At Westvine, we help franchisees like you reach more local customers through digital marketing. With daily monitoring, creative content, and ad placement, and customer data intelligence, we'll get your business in front of the people who want your products or services. We also work with franchisors who need an agency to handle the digital marketing for all of their locations. If you're ready to reach more local customers, give us a call at 805-265-5440 or visit us at westvine.com. That's 805-265-5440 or westvine with a y.com. And welcome back to Pillars of Franchising. We're here with Michael Iannuzzi. Thank you, Michael, for joining us today. And we're back with the big question of how can your accountant, I'm getting feedback, I'm not sure why, but how can your accountant help you prepare to sell your business? So there, there are a couple of things uh, to think about, and especially in franchising, there's a lot of multi-unit franchisees out there, a lot of cross-branded franchisees. So, and private equity over the last number of years has love buying franchise concepts, whether it's franchisors or franchisees. So there's a lot to think about when you're getting ready uh, to sell your business. I mean, the first thing, the most important thing, and we were touching on this prior to the break, was you have to have your house in order. You have to know your numbers, just like you would on Shark Tank when somebody's gonna drill you, what your margins are and things like that. You have to absolutely know what that stuff is. All your agreements need to be in order. All your leases need to be there all your key uh, employees or uh, key man policies, anything like that, all have to be lined up. Mm -hmm. The next step that you want to really look at is depending on the size of your operation, what, what multi-unit franchisees have been doing lately is they've been beating the uh, bias to the punch and they've been preparing what's called the quality of earnings report. Okay. And in this quality of earnings report, it takes where the business is now, and it goes through a series of adjustments. Okay, am I gonna add back for salary? Am I gonna take away for litigation? It does all these add backs to give and subtractions to get a true, you know, let's call it uh, net income of the business. And that goes into a sell side package, and that goes to investment bankers and private equity people, and they share that with the people looking to buy. The buyers are gonna do their own due diligence, uh-huh. And it's always usually better if you do yours up front mm-hmm. and, and have sound advice, sound people helping you with the sale, because then when you're negotiating, you have a really good leg to stand on. And every, every dollar on a multiple of eight or 10 starts to add up. Mm-hmm. Sure. So if I, re- if I understand you correctly, are you saying, so they're getting this package ready to go and they're, Sticking it out there, not not necessarily for sale, but for people to peruse. Is that what's happening? So they yeah, so they get it together on their side to really see what the business would look like out in the market. 
And then yeah. they do a couple of different things. They start to either network with people that they know that are, mm -hmm. that are interested, or they bring it to an investment banking firm. And that investment banking firm will start putting it out to their feelers and their private equity people that they know and their buyers to start to look at the package. And that, that will start to entice people that are looking to, to buy. And when they see this type of package, they know the seller is serious and they know they know what they're doing. Interesting. So Ray, you and I have to combine our businesses. Because <laughs> I think we're worth more together than we would be individually. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I have a question uh, for Michael, and, and that is, how soon, if, if you're thinking about selling in the future, how soon should you, uh, you know, should you start a year before you want to sell, two years before you want to sell, and what changes should you make um, uh, to, to make it more, to make it better to a possible investor? Mm -hmm. Got it, got it. Yeah, you're, you're probably looking at two to three years out, you know, roughly. Um, because depending on how, you know, the size of your organization, your internal people are going to be doing a lot of the, the pulling of the work as well. Plus they have their, their daily routines, you know, mm -hmm. to do as well. So it's going to take time to put the data room together, to get the analysis done, uh, to bring somebody in to possibly do, uh, the QV, the quality of earnings report. Mm -hmm. Um, and your second part of the question for changes, you, you really want to analyze the business and clean it up where it's presentable and attractive. So if you have things like your kid's cars running through there and you're running vacations through there, you know, a buyer is going to see through that on their due diligence. You want to start to make these changes up front because again, if they want you, they're going to go after you, but the price they pay is going to be different right. if, you're, if you're ready or if they have to do work on their side, that is going to drive the price down. Yep. Yeah. Very good point. Excellent. And now, Michael, the one thing that I noticed that I'd just like you to kind of highlight, so in a, a, a corporation like yours, you don't only help people in New York, right? That's, that's correct. We are, we are a national um, accounting firm. Uh, we have offices out West Mountain, California as well. And um, we're, we're global also through our affiliations in other countries. So yeah, we can, we can handle almost any, uh, definitely any state, and then a variety of countries as well. Excellent. And do you have any um, final thoughts that you'd like to share with our listeners today? Sure. I, I absolutely love franchising and I'm passionate about it. I, I'm, I've been very excited to see where this has been going the last, you know, six to eight months, the level of activity I've been yeah. seeing. I've also been seeing a lot of new concepts come to market um, with, with money behind them and people really serious about launching new businesses. So I'm very excited about the future of franchising and where it's going to be in the next, you know, two or three years. Yeah, that's awesome. We are too. I can't believe with all the corporate exodus out there, there's a lot of talent coming into the market. And uh, I think we're very well positioned really as, as kind of a franchising group to, to handle some really exciting new talent in the, in the pool. So um, where can people get in touch with you if they'd like to consult with you, hire you? How do we go about finding you? Sure, you can easily find me on LinkedIn uh, on my profile. I uh, do a lot of updating there. I share content and relevant information there. Or you can email me at uh, miamuzi at stitchandcooperman.com. And um, I'll definitely get back to you. And I'm looking forward to, to speaking to anybody who's got any questions. 
Awesome. And we, of course, will always have your information on our Pillars of Franchising page so our, our listeners and viewers can find it there. And we'd like to thank you for your time today and being so generous with the information that you share. And we will look forward to checking in with you again in the next several months to find out how things are going. And um, hoping you have a great day and all the best of luck to you and your firm as you continue to grow within the franchise organization. Cool. Thank, thank you so much. We're looking forward to seeing Thanks people in person soon. Yeah, <laughs> yes, us too. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right, Fred. Take us away, Fred. Oh, is that David? <laughs> Hi, David. See how I just magically appear? <laughs> you did. You did. How are you? I'm doing great. How about you? I'm doing awesome. The great, great and job powerful Oz. I don't know. I thought I heard Oz in the background. Yes, oh, yeah. the great and powerful Oz, as I've been christened. christened oh, yes. You've been so, christened. You've been christened. Yes. <laughs> Whatever. I've been christened. Yeah. So, I'm sorry, David. How rude of Fred. That's all right. I just I thought I was getting feedback. I didn't know what was going on. As I said last week, anytime there's technical difficulties, I assume it's me. So I figured I did something wrong. No, you're all good. Great job making sure accounting talk was not extremely boring. Some some great uh, pearls of wisdom dropped in there. Yeah, some of it was selfish, you know, like what do you got to do to sell, right? (laughs) (laughs) Well, it is, you know, I I think Ray said, I mean, if you don't know your numbers, you're going to fail at some point in time. Absolutely. Absolutely. And by selfish, I mean I was asking on behalf of Ray. <laughs> <laughs> so what have you got for us today, David? Well, you know what? Ironically, you know, I know we talked to a lot of existing franchisees, but uh, but also mostly potential and prospective franchisees. And, yeah. and, and I want to touch on something I think every one of us, whether it's franchising, buying a business, whatever, or just some things in life. But I think I think every one of us experienced this. So I want to talk about it a little bit. And, 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 you know, you and I are going to talk a little bit about it too, because I got to believe you experienced the same thing. But really, you know, kind of the best day in everybody's life is when you decide to go for it, right? I mean, yeah. you came from a corporate background. I came from a corporate background. And, and you go, I'm just going to go for this. I, I want to see a better life for myself, for my family, whatever it is. Yep. And that's kind of the best day. You just, you're energized. I'm doing this. Right. And then you realize not everyone that you mention it to is quite on board with your big dream and what's what you what you want to accomplish, right? Yeah. Not yeah. all of them are cheerleaders. Not all of them are cheerleaders, right? And I think I think that's one of the greatest things about franchising. I'll touch base on that a little bit later because you're always gonna have so many people that are saying, You can't do this, right? They become experts field that they know nothing about. Exactly. And, you know, and they and they tell you all the things that you know are going to go wrong. But truthfully, what they really don't want, they don't want you to pass them. Right? Yeah. I mean, they yeah. just want to keep you down, keep you being average. You know, and I always tell everybody, average. I mean, never on the average. That's as close to the top as it is to the bottom. You're in the middle. Big deal. <laughs> <laughs> so not going anywhere. Spin loose. But here's the here's the thing. I think all of us are guilty, and I think it's a huge mistake. Because we think the people that are closest to us are going to support us and have our best intentions at heart, no matter what. But, but it's, it's, it's not true. 
Right. And the reason I say this, what do we do when we say, I'm going to open up a business? Who do we ask? We ask the people who have never owned a business, never opened up a business, never took risks, <laughs> weren't afraid. So all they're going to do is bombard you with all the negative thoughts and, and all their expert reasons why you're going to fail. Yes, that's true. That's not a good environment to be in when right. you're trying to leap out and go break off on your own and go do something great for yourself and your family. Yep, yep. Did you ever have that? Did you feel that when you were? Uh, so I always laugh because the person I always talk to is my dad, right? Mm -hmm. Because he, and he's like the most rational person. He's the guy who's worked for everything he had. He taught, he taught me that you work for everything you have. And surprisingly, as I've gone through my journeys, he's become more of a cheerleader but he never lets the conversation go without pointing out the cons and the pros. But yeah, he's always a cautious optimist. Yeah. So well, he's and, and, and you can imagine, I mean, our first, our first venture was to get into the, the restaurant bar business. Yeah. And well, that's a high failure rate, right? High I mean, failure rate. So, yeah. so we're, we're all excited. We put a lot of time and effort into it. Felt really good about it. I remember going into my corporate office, going to my boss's office with my, with my construction plans, with, with my blueprints, putting them on the table and giving them my six, six month notice, not six days, six weeks, six months notice. Thinking he's going to be excited for me because we had a pretty good relationship. Uh -huh. He went nuts. He started screaming and yelling at me. He said, are you crazy? I've got another promotion for you right here. You're giving up on this whole co corporate ladder, yeah. the whole bit, to open the riskiest thing ever. You're not going to make it six months. Mm -hmm. Whoa. Now, think about that. Not only now that you just kind of drive a stigma, but this is a guy I respected for a yeah. long time. And he just kind of told me I'm going to fail soon. Right. And I'm going to give up all the security of, of this great job, right? So <clears throat> those are the people that you have to be careful, you know, and I tell this to everybody, I says, you know, follow your heart, be smart in the, in the approach that you're taking, but follow your heart and you have to block out that noise. That's right. Because most people are going to tell you, you can't do it because they've never done. It. Right. And that goes back to, that goes back to um, why it's so important to have, you know, a, a a franchise system, truthfully. Because yeah, because you're surrounded by people who have the exact same mindset and goals that you have. Yeah, the validation process, right? I mean, that's what I found to be so helpful. The people, you know, you have your family and friends that you talk to, but then as you go down the franchise path, you're given a list of people to talk to. And it, if you're in a really good system, you'll find people who want to tell you their story and people who will be honest. And, you know, Ray will tell you too, the people in our system, they will tell you the good, the bad, and the ugly, but I didn't have one person when I said, well, if you could do it all over again, would you? And they all said, yes, mm -hmm. nobody said no. Now in some of the other systems I looked into, they said no. <laughs> yeah, and, and, that, and that's real good one, you know, as you're going through it and, you know, but, you know, they're even still, they have the same mindset. They went for yeah. it themselves. They're yep. going to give you really good information. Like you said, even the people who said no, yep. there's no good reasons for it. It's just not some statement. Just truthfully, I tell, I think it's sometimes it's almost a hidden statement. 
They sure. don't, they don't want to see you succeed beyond where you are because, you know, you're, you're leaving them, so to speak. Right. And, yeah. and I know I can speak for myself a lot, of, and, 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 and I know this happened to a lot of people, and that as you kind of grow and develop yourself and go off into different areas, kind of those people you were associating with before, maybe aren't really your inner circle anymore. Yeah, yeah. And they don't mean it. I mean, no, nobody consciously sits there and goes, I'm not going to let you get ahead of me, right? Yeah. But they do it unconsciously by asking little questions or making little remarks or, oh, you're always tied with your business. I remember even when my kids were, were small and, and going through school and, and their athletics in their school, I always used to tell them, I said, be careful who you associate with because they don't mean it. But if uh-huh. you're saying, hey, I want to go practice some extra, somebody's going to innocently say, what do you have to practice more? And I said, they're basically pulling you back, holding you back without yeah. really consciously thinking about it. Because, and you're not thinking of that because they're your friends. Well, the same That's thing right. happens when you try to break away and, and be more successful. And, I, and I'm really speaking to the prospective franchisees or those who haven't done their own business here in, in, in this segment is, is – you have to block out that noise because as well-meaning as some of those people are, they don't have the experience or the expertise to kind of bombard you and fill you with negative thoughts or worry because they never took that. Yes, I think that's a really good point. Really good point. So that's excellent, David. And thank you so much for sharing those thoughts because I do think we tend to go to our comfort zone for validation, and uh, that's not always the best place to go. Yeah, and I think I think you just have to be careful of who's pulling you in which direction, and really analyze: Are they leading me towards what I really want for myself, or are they kind of pull me away from it? And 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 really analyze it. Stop and observe it. Don't just don't just take it. You know, yep. Line and sinker, so to speak. Absolutely. Thank you very much, Fred. Do we need to pay bills before we go to our next? Nope. We're oh we good. Got... Okay. Next We're month, please. Nope. We next month we got a new sponsor coming, but we'll announce that next month. So we're going uh, down the rabbit hole, and as you can uh, tell, we're going to be in the matrix. So today's question, and I'm going to preface this with: um, I've worked in my IT career. I've worked with a whole lot, worked for a whole lot of accountants and CPAs, and I have friends who are uh, accountants and CPAs. So. With that well, Michael, part, we're so glad you hung on for this. Exactly. So, here's the question. In the coming artificial intelligence world where AI rules everything, and there are AI CPAs, their sense of humor be any better than real-life CPAs? I don't know where, how you put all that together, but I, I guess I'm going to say yes. <laughs> Anybody else want to weigh in? I love that. I think they're going to be worse. I, I think that I've met a lot of CPAs that have personalities. They may be quirky, but I don't think, I mean, we've had some great CPAs, including Michael on the show, who aren't, yeah, that are actually quite enjoyable to to speak to and they really kind of break through that um what's the word i'm looking for uh oh my god there's a word but it's losing it's escaping. <laughs> well they, they shatter the image that we have and there's a word i can't think of but um they shatter the blah the, blah 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 blah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, i'll say you know, while you're thinking of the word i i 
go down water slides. I've been swimming with, swimming with sharks. So I think I think I venture out a little bit. Yeah, exactly. You're not breaking that the stereotype. There you go. That's the word. The stereotype. Blah blah blah. Gotcha. Ray yeah, Elizabeth, no. you wanna you wanna weigh in on this topic? I, I do. I want to. And yeah. What is it? I, I, I think the best thing is, is uh, you remember uh, Data on the uh, on, on the TV show. He always tried to Which be one? like. Which <laughs> one? matter. He always strived for human qualities, and uh, obviously we'll just have to program him for those human type qualities. But the problem is going to be is right now I think. Uh, Accountant jokes are kind of dry. I have a feeling that it's going to be the same thing with the AI version of it. I think it's going to be like the Charlie Brown teacher. Wah, 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 well, wah. wait a second. One of the natural, um, I guess, thing, pathways that I just took is that what you were saying is that um, when we get AI CPAs, or CPAs now aren't human-like, but AI CPAs will be more human-like. Then regular. Yeah. <laughs> Don't we already have AI CPAs? They're like, aren't they like Excel spreadsheets and calculators? I mean. <laughs> yes, and there is a lot of artificial intelligence coming to the CPA world. As a matter of fact. <laughs> yeah, like they already kind of exist. No. With AI, you can um, pick the voice, right? Ooh, like yeah. Siri, you can pick your own voice. Ray tells me I suck at the rabbit hole from, you know, last two years ago when I was on the show. Um, but that's not going to hold me back because I don't think I suck on the rabbit hole. But my thing is, I, I, I worked with a guy who put an Australian female voice on Siri and thought it was the best thing ever. And the funny part was how funny he thought it was. So I think we could kind of play around with like my family, Marco Polo's, and we use the macho voice, which actually sounds like a drag queen, and it cracks us up. <laughs> We're easy yeah. All right. Okay. So, folks, we, we, please, we, like we can't use that phrase. That would be bad. I, I think that's what? so. The phrase you AI? use. No. Never mind. So, <laughs> All right. So, uh, I, I want to ask Michael a question. Can I ask Mike? Michael? All right. You can, can you ask. Well, is it, yeah, is it about the rabbit hole? It's it, it sort of. Yes. Michael, have you ever heard of a spreadsheet called Paradox? Isn't that really old? Yeah, it's really, really old. I've I've used it. And compare that with Excel now. That's the difference between a human and an AI version of an accountant. Is that that like the big green bar paper that I hear stories about? Oh, my God. Wait a minute. How old are you, Michael? If I know Paradox. Paradox was a database. Quattro Pro was the the attendant spreadsheet. So take that all. Wow. Oh my God, how do I know Paradox? Ray, that means I'm more closely to old your age stuff. than Michael. That's old stuff. That's really yeah. old stuff. Sucks to be all of us. Good thing I wrote notes about how to sell my business because that means I need to get out of the game. All right. So want to thank our guests, Michael Iannuzzi. Did I get that right? I am Lucy and bite me. Um, you're, so, you're so fired, Ray. I mean, Fred. Yeah, like that's going to happen. And the rest of the gang will be back next week with another weird, entertaining, and educational. Yeah.